0: Guys, and welcome to the end of part four. Finally, next week we'll be wrapping up part five and the end of the book. So, look out for that next week. And here's the end of part four. Wrapping up chapter 68, Dalinar and Kaladin are talking back and forth. And Dalinar has a couple revelations about Kaladin as. He, like, as he's approaching, he's like, oh, there's a there's a surgeon amongst Bridge bridgemen. And then kind of stops to think, like, why isn't that a normal thing? Like, why aren't we trying to save Bridgemen actively? And as he approaches Kaladin, he realizes that the discipline that he's seen in Bridge 4, in the brief half an hour that he's seen them so far, has nothing to do with Sadius. It has everything to do with Kaladin. And Dalinar... And Kaladin talked back and forth a little bit. Kaladin's like, "We we kind of just want to run, um, like we were about to." And Dalinar's like, "Uh, you could come back to my camp." And then Kaladin asks him, "That's not going to help us at all because aren't you guys going to war now?" And then Dalinar stops and thinks, really starts thinking about Sadius. Is is it going to lead to war? I, I don't know. I don't know what I what to do here. Um, but he's determined that it won't because he knows he'll lose it. Because he just lost 5,000 some men on the slopes of that, on the slopes of the tower. He has 2,000 with him. 2,000. He has a specific number. I don't remember what it is. Um, and Sadius has nearly his full 7,000 ready and armed at the war camp waiting for him when he gets back. So, um, he, he knows he has to play it carefully. And so he tells Kaladin, no, it's not going to come to war. I don't know what's going to happen, but it won't come to war. But he does promise to defend Bridge Four. And uh, Elliot, you have that on the, the outline. Do you want to explain that a little bit?
1: Well, th- this is a huge moment in, in importance. Dalinar vows, makes an oath to protect the bridgeman. I vow that you will be safe. I promise it with every shred of honor that I have. And Kaladin's, Kaladin's first thought on this is, of course, yeah, whatever, your, your word doesn't mean anything to me. You're a light eyes. I don't trust any of you. Why would I Why would I trust you? My gut tells me, no, if I go back with you, we're all going to die. But Kaladin does accept the promise and he, he puts the lives of his entire bridge crew on... Dalinar's promise. If Dalinar doesn't protect him, Sadius is going to execute every single one of them. I guarantee it. And Kaladin knows that. All the bridgemen know that. So this is a big... The stakes are high here. And Kaladin is is betting all of it on Dalinar's honor. And the honor of Light Eyes has let him down many times in the past. But this is the one time when it doesn't
0: All right uh Paul do you want to lead us into chapter 69 uh, I would
2: absolutely love to
0: But before okay before you accept that mm-hmm. it does start with Navani I know you don't like talking about Navani but it does start with her So do you want to do you want to lead us
2: Yeah certainly so I don't have a problem with Navani I'm not a fan <laughs> of the the gushy love scenes. Mm. Um, but we do see at the start of this chapter... Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, so Novani is sending up a prayer. She puts a symbol on the ground and burns it and sends up a prayer. And she is worried for Dalinor. And we have this, I think, really epic scene that I could visualize very well of dalinar and company returning to the camp returning back and my word one of my two words for this episode is calm it went a little bit into just dalinar staying calm in battle but it's largely with when dalinar returns internally he has to be just furious and mad he's been betrayed he was left for dead but he remains calm and even in the face of like rejection and everything, um, even at the pinnacle point where he's able to free Bridgman, uh, he remains calm through it all. And I don't actually understand how. Um, you may say it's not the calmest ever, but in a sense he he's pretty he's pretty calm and collected there um before we get too far into it i don't i don't want to just skip over navani i was actually curious to see if y'all had any thoughts about that so she sends up this prayer and i feel like there's more significance to it i personally just kind of read through it and i was like okay neat Hmm. (laughs) next (laughs) um but but i wanted to see if y'all y'all noticed any specific significance there
0: I'll I'll touch on your calm uh, word first, so and then I'll go back to Navati. Dalinar knows on this entire march back from this from the tower that the the lives of the rest of his men are at stake. He can't walk into Sadius' war camp and start a war because he'll lose. Like he's right in the middle of Sadius' war camp, ten thousand soldiers surrounding him. He can't he can't do that. So he has to stay calm. That's mm-hmm. that's literally his responsibility right now is to keep a level head, not decapitate sadius where he stands, even though that's what he wants to do.
2: And that's what I was hoping for.
0: I but understand yes. that. Um, but yeah, that's Dalinar's responsibility as leader right now is to stay calm. Um, but Navani, um, she goes storming up to... Uh, Sadius's tent and notices that the the army is barely has a scratch on it like there's some wounded soldiers but not many not as many as she would have heard from the rumors is why she's there and Sadius tells her straight to her face that he saw dalinar die and that's why he came back is because there was no point in fighting anymore he saw dalinar get surrounded and killed um and that's when navani breaks down and Tears and uh, write writes her justice prayer. Um, and Renarin actually is there too, at at Sadius's war camp. So when Dalinar and Adolin and Kaladin all ride up or walk up, I suppose they're walking, um, with um towards Sadius's camp. Navani and Renarin come out of Sadius's camp, and Adolin's like, "Wait, why are they?" Wait, what's happening? Why are they here? Um, But then they uh, have a nice family reunion of, oh, we thought you were dead. That's why we were in Sadius' camp, to hear what happened. But, uh, Elliot, I'll ask you this. Navani's prayer glyph, any thoughts on this?
1: First, I'll say that I noted how impactful what she does is to Renarin, and I think we've gotten references before to the females, the women, being a little more responsible for the, like, prayer side of things. Kaladin talks about how his mother would weave prayers or, and they'd burn the, the prayers or offer them up. And Dalinar doesn't have anyone to to offer a prayer for him. He doesn't have a wife. He He, as far as we know, doesn't even have, like, a daughter or anyone like that. And so the fact that Navani... Paints out this huge glyph on the ground. It, it talks about at some point it's like ten paces long or something like that. I'm I'm envisioning that to be you know this massive thing. She uses like all her ink that she's got to spell this out on the ground and, and burn it. That is really impactful for Renarin because Renarin is feeling broken for potentially having just lost his father but also not having anyone to be able to offer a prayer for his soul. And so for Navani to immediately, immediately, once she learns that he's possibly dead, to turn and do this, that means a lot for him, which I thought was really, really cool. But the glyph itself is super symbolic. The glyph that she spells out is justice. And I'm kind of curious why she thinks to use justice at first, because that doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense from her perspective, but later on when Dalinar does arrive and confronts Sadius and the image of the two of them having the showdown while standing on the huge burnt glyph of justice is just so symbolic, but it's, it's very cool. I feel like there's a lot more even there that I'm not picking up on, but lots of themes and symbolism here in her act.
2: Definitely. And I also think that justice is a very fitting. We kind of have this like poetic justice for for Sadius here. He's been pulling all these strings, and he's thought this all out, and how he's going to just ride this scapegoat of we couldn't get out. I saw Dalinar die, and it was in everyone's best interest to just get out of there. And now... Dalinar is starting to arrive back at the camp, and so these things and what what Sadius has really set up for himself is starting to crumble all around him. Um. In in all honesty, this this chapter was what made me the most frustrated with Sadius, or what really showed his true evil character. Um, with that, it's just I mean I couldn't help but like you know, kind of smirk with contempt uh, for Sadius, like, through all of this.
1: Um. Well, he, he overplays his hand a little bit, actually, if you if you go and read it. He, he tries to play innocent, but the story he tells is a little too detailed. He tells Navani that he saw Dalinar be overrun with Parshendi and they carried off the bloody chunks of his armor. That puts him in a little bit of a hole because as soon as Dalinar comes walking across the the plains, the shattered plains, Navani and anyone else who just heard him instantly knows that he lied. If he had played that off a little more subtly and said, oh, we saw that they were surrounded, we couldn't do anything, so we left, he's probably dead. He could have, in that case... Played this off a little and maybe gotten away with this a little more of saying you know, when Dalinar arrives like rush out and saying oh you made it I'm so happy to see you and he could have just you know said oh Dalinar you're delirious I, I didn't abandon you we, we tried everything we could but he actually I think overplays his hand a little bit and gives himself no way out by telling a little too detailed of a story
0: and he does it's not the first time he's done it in this this whole episode at the beginning when he insists that Dalinar brings his entire army, if he hadn't done that and Dalinar had only brought four, four thousand, five thousand men, it wouldn't have mattered that Kaladin was was there for him. He would have died just by sheer numbers, because Dalinar only survives with two thousand or so men out of eight thousand. He would just would have been outnumbered and killed. But because Sadius is so hungry for. House Galen to be destroyed, he actually saves Dalinar by h- having him bring so many men.
1: Yep, agreed. I think Sadis overplays it a little bit.
2: That's true. That's something I hadn't actually thought about.
1: But I, I do, back to our thoughts on Navani, I do think that she is a really intriguing part of, of all of this, and the fact that she... Draws out the justice glyph like she does. Offers up that prayer for for Dalinar. Sets the scene for what we head to next.
2: And what we head to next, um, if if there's nothing else, it was my personal favorite moment of of the whole chapter, and we we have. After the prayer is burnt and Dalinar begins to return to camp, um, Dalinar is set and, and he knows that it's his responsibility and his oath, like, with his honor and everything, to free these Bridgemen from Sadius, and he will stop at absolutely no cost. Um, with that, we see this moment. Uh, where he offers a price much higher than any what would be offered for any slave in Roshar, and Sadia scoffs at it and says, "I wouldn't." What was it was it twenty ruby brones? And Sadius says, "I wouldn't sell them for a thousand each." Yep. And so, part of my calmness was. It was almost nonchalant that Dalinar then offers his shard blade in exchange for the the Bridgeman. And I don't know how you could do that and be calm. Like I can understand you have to be calm with Sadius to not die.
0: Hmm.
2: Um <laughs> but the way he just It's like here, this is this is a worthwhile price, right? And also I think this was a very specific to the audiobook um i don't know if uh Elliot got the same impression but what really it, it honestly made my skin crawl a little bit so when he offers the shard blade to sadius sadius it, the reader for the audiobook did a great job and with sadius voice it kind of starts to like crawl and and, and seem like are you insane like you would do this for these people you're a fool like you're an absolute imbecile dalinar like how could you do this like you're obviously just an idiot and it kind of made my skin crawl and really show that devious just you know cruel behavior from sadius and that was honestly the most offsetting thing for me with with sadius's like poor behavior and betrayal here um but the audiobook, I feel like, brought that out to a very, like, really brought that out into the spot spotlight with that, that verbal context.
0: Yeah. So, we're 950 pages in. And if there's one thing we've learned, it's journey before destination. But this is the destination. The journey can be great, but the de- that doesn't mean the destination still isn't awesome. And I'll, I'll, I'll read some of this. Dalinar took one step forward, then drove his blade point first into the middle of the blackened glyph on the stone. He took one step back. For the bridgemen, he said. A little bit farther down. The blade, Dalinar said, firm voice carrying in the air, in exchange for your bridgemen, All of them. Every one you have in camp. They become mine, to do with as i please never to be touched by you again in exchange you get the sword a little bit farther down sadius accepts it kaladin catches up to him as dalinar's walking away the high prince the high prince laid a hand on kaladin's shoulder the gauntlet gleaming blue mismatched with the rest of his slate gray armor i don't know what has been done to you i can only guess that your life what your life has been like but know this you will not be bridgemen in my camp nor will you be slaves but what is a man's life worth dalinar asked softly the slave masters say one is worth about two emerald bromes kaladin said frowning and what do you say a life is priceless he said immediately quoting his father Dalinar smiled, wrinkle lines extending from the corner of his eyes. Coincidentally, that is the exact value of a shard blade. So today, you and your men sacrificed to buy me 2600 priceless lives, and all I had to repay you with was a single priceless sword. I call that a bargain. You really think it was a good trade, don't you? Kaladin said, amazed. Dalinar smiled in a way that seemed strikingly paternal, for my honor unquestionably go and leave your men to safety soldier so what takes this from an awesome awesome scene to like unquestionably epic is the writing of dalinar doing this without the context that the reader has the reader knows what this means to kaladin but dalinar doesn't dalinar does this because he knows it's the right thing to do but the reader knows what this means to kaladin and who it's coming from and that's what makes it so powerful is that dalinar is without any questions without even knowing who kaladin is he gives up his shard blade for all of the bridgemen and as a reader, you know what that just meant to Kaladin. He, his faith in humanity, has been restored. He knows that there is someone else in the world, a light eyes, of all people, that is willing to do the honorable thing because it is the honorable thing, and that is what makes that destination so good to me. It's so good.
1: It is such a powerful example of honor. And we've we've used honor so many times in, in our episodes that we've had. We've seen so many examples of small bits of honor or lack of honor. But here in this moment, Dalinar shows us what a true man of honor can do. And it makes such a huge difference for Kaladin it makes such a huge difference for everyone here. It makes such a huge difference for every single one of those bridge men's lives. In this moment, when Dalinar does what he does, it it's him recognizing a debt that is owed and paying it in full, even when he doesn't necessarily have to. He has... He's made a he's made a vow to Caladan that he's going to protect them, but at the same time, Sadius is not willing to budge. Dalinar is willing to pay any number, any amount of money. Any you, you name the, the number and Dalinar will pay it to get these Bridgemen. And I think a lot of people would say Dalinar in, in doing that has done enough. He tried. He did everything he could to to get those those Bridgemen. But Dalinar says that's not enough. No, I'm I'm going to come through. I'm going to come true on my, my oath that i made. And I'm going to give up the one thing that probably defines me more than anything else. Everything we've we've learned about Dalinar up till now is defined by him being a shard bearer and the things that he can do. He he tries to figure out ways of how can I use my shard, my my shard plate and my shard blade to better Alethkar. How can I unite the people as their warrior as the the blackthorn leading them so for him to surrender this to for him to take the most powerful object he owns the priceless worth multiple kingdoms object and to to trade that for a few hundred men's lives i think could easily be looked down upon by a lot of people and and even maybe rightfully so you could say Think of how many more lives maybe Dalinar could go off and, and save with that shard blade, maybe. But no, Dalinar in this moment says, This stops here. I owe a debt. My life was saved. The lives of my men were saved by these Bridgemen. I owe them that. There is nothing I, I cannot or should not give to pay back that debt. And without hesitation, he slams that shard blade down in the rock and says, Take it. This blade, the one thing I know you want more than anything in the entire world, Sadius. I will give you this. In exchange for those those men's lives, and then the discussion with Cal at the end, where he feels like, you know, unquestionably that was the right thing to do. That was, that was absolutely what I needed to do. I even got a bargain for it. You saved my life. I saved yours. All I lost in in the in the transaction was a. A priceless shard blade. I'll take that deal any day of the week. What an incredible display of honor! I loved it. I really, really loved it.
0: Something I want to highlight before we, uh, before we press on from this, is Sadius almost doesn't accept it. He he looks at the shard blade. He looks at Kaladin, and he hesitates. And the that that line there, oh, it, it makes me it makes me so angry that that's how evil Sadius is. That's how much he wants revenge on Kaladin. He's he, he considers not accepting a shard blade just to kill Kaladin, just to have Kaladin's life in his hands and he hesitates and i'm like oh man oh okay like that's how much he wants revenge on kaladin for saving dalinar's life and that the writing there just that one line where where he hesitates just briefly is what the what the line says i'm just like you you take that you take that shard blade right now uh exactly in in the audiobook like
2: i mentioned it it very much you know shows that tone of voice and that you know like i don't remember the exact quote but it's along along the lines of you know take your storming men you yeah. know like he's just very frustrated and angry and it very much is showing just this evil evil mindset that uh, that Sadius has, also with the entire side note at the beginning of this chapter. This is the only chapter that I can think of that we had both of the audiobook readers reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reader for the Shalon chapter and the reader for the Kaladin chapter, and the reader for the Shalon chapters says Sadius,
0: yes, not does. Sadius, which and it kind of threw me off. I had a conversation with camp. someone about this recently, actually. So, for those of you who don't know, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding are the two readers for the Audible version of the audiobook, and they're married in real life. They uh, they're married to each other, and I just thought it would be funny that they never had that conversation of how to how to pronounce Sadius's name, because. Uh, Kate Redding hasn't had to say the word Sadius up until this point and she says Sadius and the whole time uh, Michael Kramer's been saying Sadius and it just it throws you for a second you're like wait who yeah. like... I was a little confused yeah total total side note there I
1: I would laugh if like off air they like disagreed about how to pronounce that mm. name and so maybe she like came in and intentionally said it differently like oh you." All time, nah. I'm gonna say it this way because I think it should be sadias yeah. That would be funny. That's probably not the case, but it'd be fun yeah. That
0: would be. She she pronounces it sadias from from now on in the other later books as well. But and also, uh, Kate Redding also says Shalon. Uh, <laughs> the first time she says Shalon's name, and then she says Shalon the rest of the book. But she says like it. It's it's hard <laughs> to pick up on the first time you're listening because that's the first time you've heard it, so it doesn't sound weird to you. But on I'll re-list and you're like wait who's shallon like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah anyway
1: nuances of the audiobook that I miss out on
2: <laughs> yeah
0: all right just a little bit so the shardblade scene actually isn't the last scene in part four which I think is very interesting I'm I'm kind of curious on why they didn't just do a, a mini chapter like the rest of the chapters in part five for this but Dalinar says, I have more work to do today to Kaladin, and runs up to Elakar and beats him up. Uh, do you guys want to talk about this a little bit?
2: I would love to talk about this. I, I thought this scene was awesome, and I think it's very important that this is in this chapter and not a separate chapter, because it shows this urgency. Dalinor, albeit he was calm with Sadius, he has a raging fire inside of him, and he is ready to take action and grab this bull by the horns, and he's going to steer this war in his direction. He's freed the bridgeman, and he is going to whip Elokar into shape. Without his shard blade, he just goes in there and manhandles him, and (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Elokar is screaming and calling for his guards, but Dalinar's kind of monopolized the whole situation here, which I think is awesome and and it really shows that he excuse me that he knows what he's doing he he's got the connections he's got the seniority here even over the king i guess you know uh, he has the men under his control and he he's not messing around he's gonna really take things off
1: my my whole impression of it was of like a a apparent finally getting around to disciplining the bratty child that's been getting away with it for for weeks and months and and years maybe and everyone just turns a blind eye to the kid throwing a tantrum over there and finally downline is like okay i've had enough of it here comes your whooping and he just lays the beat down on on elokar without even a shard blade like elokar tries to to summon his Shardblade and get that in on the action. And when I saw that start, I was like, oh no, he's going to, you know, take down Dalinar. He doesn't have anything to defend him, but Dalinar is so good. He doesn't even need a Shardblade. You know, this is like Zeth level of outclassing here of Dalinar can just take him down with, you know, one hand, basically of Elkar's just kind of swinging and Dalinar's like, you know, got his hand on his head kind of thing. But you talk about seniority, Paul, or, or maybe even authority, how, Clearly, Dalinar has the real authority here in this room. But I think it's very, I think Dalinar does make a very powerful point, which is the whole reason why he came in here. He's trying to show Elokar look, man, if I wanted to take the kingship from you, I could easily do so. In fact, I would have just now. There's no reason for me not to, but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave, I'm going to let you be king, but we're going to do some things my way from this point on. And I agree with you, Paul, that was, that was pretty awesome. And I, I hope that uh, we get to see that in maybe the next book or, or something of down going and, and whipping the Alethi army into shape.
2: Yeah. I think it was important that it began to set the next scene of what is to come uh, that, it was kind of a great dramatic ending there, but then it was kind of the little hook back in at the end um, of what is to come. And I thought that scene was awesome. It, it it truly was an outclass there from Dal and I just goes in and just, man, he just manhandled Elokar. He was, I, I get, I get the vision of like a father with a, child you know and he yep there's just nothing the helpless kid can do
0: you know give him a shard blade spanking <laughs> yes exactly
1: <laughs> and and to bring it all full circle dalinar ties this all back to noadon he he kind of i forget if he's actually having this conversation or if it's really just you know we're in his head with kind of him processing this he, he thinks back to to Noadon, and he thinks about kind of the way he's been approaching things, and he's made this decision of, I'm not going to go the, the peacemaker route, which Noadon is known for. Noadon is known for uniting the kingdoms, bringing everyone together, writing this book all about virtues and leadership and, and service. What Dalinar realizes is that back in his vision when he met Noadon, Noodon was not at that point yet, and he I think he notes that Noadon actually wrote The Way of Kings at the end of his life, not at the beginning of his life, and that leading up to that point, Noadon didn't sit down to write things or, or bring people together. No, he set out to do things, and so Dalnar realizes, hey, I'm not at that point yet. I need to set out and do things. I need to make change happen, and then we can work out. Maybe then I'll, then I'll sit down and write a book about it. You know, now's not the time to lay down my my sword, although that's kind of exactly what he does. He's he, Now's not the time to, to give it up and, and, you know, stand off. No, now is the time to call to action. Now is the time to look, Elokar, we are going to do this. It's going to be dangerous. You're going to have people out for your blood. They're going to be coming for you, but we're going to do it anyway. And all of that is down our Following in the footsteps of Noadon, which is so cool.
0: Any any closing thoughts on sixty nine before we uh, talk about part four as a whole?
1: I think that was it for that specific chapter. I do have
2: I do have my closing thought. So this is the first chapter that we get that direct dialogue. And these storylines have, I would say, officially collided with Kaladin and Dalinar. I always want to say Kalidar or (laughs) Daladin, you know, like some kind of grouping in the name. Um, And so I'm extremely excited to see where that goes. But yes, I'm glad to see that these storylines have collided and this was just like a great... Finale chapter, there for for that storyline.
1: It it's the moment. I think I mentioned this before. It's the moment we've been waiting for for a long time. We've seen kaladin on his journey. We've seen Dalinar Dalinar on on his journey with some of the other characters, Adolin, Navani, elokar and we've always had this feeling of their their paths are going to cross. They're going to collide at some point, and this is it. And it could not have happened in a more exciting and epic way than it did. And so it feels very fulfilling of something that we knew was coming and we finally got it and it it lived up to the hype. It lived up to what we hoped it would be. So this was a very satisfying closure of part four for me.
2: I'm also excited to see what Delinor and Kaladin can do together because I feel like they kind of match each other's energy dalinar is very much on this. He he's been on this tangent of almost servant leadership, right where I would not ask a man to do what I would not servant do myself. Yes, with servant leadership, all one word. Yeah, and uh and Kaladin really is living that out. He's done that with the bridge crews and just le- doing all that out. And so these come these forces kind of combining i feel like they're just gonna take off and do some wild things and hopefully bring down sadius
0: wrapping up part four as a whole any any thoughts here
1: i i do so as all the previous parts of the of the book i've tried to pick out what i felt was the the theme for for each part we've gotten some very different tones in the different parts that we've been through you know part one was kind of discovering the characters and learning about kaladin's sh- struggles and and shallan as well and then part two we start to get into dalnar's story and we start to see the whole servant leadership way of kings bit we get into part three which was back to shallan we get the whole massive betrayal and poisoning at the end of the shallan story some pretty major reveals there a lot of secrets I think my theme for that section was was hidden pasts or, or secrets that we learn from a lot of our characters. And then into part four, I, I struggled a bit to pull together a theme just because there was so much that it felt like this was the culmination of so much that we've read all in this one part. But I think if I had to pick one theme for part four, I think it would be oaths. I think it would be oaths, both for Kaladin and for Dalinar here, just because in Kaladin's storyline— we get the massive reveal that Syl is an honor spren, or as she describes herself, a spirit of oaths. And I think that Kaladin is more tied to oaths or promises or vows than he than he thinks. I thought back to the the Tien death scene, and Kaladin doesn't make like an explicit vow, but he does in that moment say, I will protect you, I will bring you back, talking to Tien. But I think in his storyline and leading all the way up into this, he's been living that out in everything that he does. He tries so hard to protect everyone around him. He's trying to fulfill that oath that he failed to live up to for Tien. He's trying to make amends for that. He's trying to fulfill his oath in everything that he does. And he finally—I don't know that he finally like achieves that per se, but he does— managed to protect his bridgemen in this uh, in this part. We get to the part where he's no longer helpless. He now has the power to fulfill that oath and to protect those that are around him. And so I thought that was pretty pivotal for Kaladin. And then for Dalinar, a little more obviously oaths play a a huge part in Dalinar's storyline and his character and we get this awesome culmination, this awesome climax that we just talked about in chapter 69 where Dalinar makes a pretty huge vow and he fulfills it at the price of surrendering his identity almost in his Shardblade, which you'll notice is named Oathbringer. The name of his sword is Oathbringer. Think about that for a little bit and how awesome that is and so all that to say i think the i think the theme for me of part 4 had to be oaths or or vows and i see the book that you're holding up there there trevor oh, with the, the 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 name oathbringer is is that not the name of the the book you're holding that the there
0: that's the name of book 3 yes
2: it's not time to think about that yet. I've got too many things to think about. <laughs> you got a
0: solid 1,100 pages between yeah, now and exactly. then to, to think about that. Exactly. Cool. Cool thoughts, Elliot. Uh, I, would, I would also agree that oaths are, are for sure the theme of part four that still, um plays into that a lot. Um, right. All right. So... part part five there are i believe five chapters in part five they're all pretty short and there's an epilogue um we will be covering all of that next week all all six of those chapters if you will and then the week after that we will be talking about the way of kings as a whole we will be Uh, hopefully having tim and andrew back on the podcast for that episode we'll be talking about the way kings as a whole favorite characters favorite quotes talking about uh, screen adaptations uh it'll be more of a lighthearted, open panel type of thing and we'll we'll go back and forth about the whole book in general i'm really looking forward to that um but first we have part five and it's pretty short so we'll have part five next week any any closing statements uh gentlemen for part four
2: i think elliot did an excellent job summing up part four you know that that was great i I fully agree with the oaths going into part five i'm super excited i'm really hoping that we get some more insight about these oaths and that oath stone with zeth Mm -hmm. that's what i'm looking forward to most Uh, but we'll see where that goes from here
1: I, I'm excited to close out this journey. What a journey it has been over the many hundreds of pages that we've we've read so far. It's been really quite uh, impactful, and we're not done yet. So I don't want to quite you know steal our thunder for our our retrospective episode, but I, I think Way of Kings has has lived up to the the hype, Trevor, that you sold it to at the beginning. This was quite the the culmination of a lot of things in this, in this episode here, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going through maybe the, the, just the closing act of this, this story. I'm it's, it's been, it's been awesome.
0: All right. I thank you for saying that it's lived up to the hype because <laughs> my hype level was here. So knowing that it lived up to that for you is warms my heart. Uh, thank you for joining me for episode 20 guys. It's meant a lot to me. Um, and we will continue next week. Thanks for joining me, guys, uh, Paul and Elliot. Of course.
1: Farewell.